Out Bureau. Let's chat, share, learn, grow, and be inspired together. In each episode, we'll have casual and informative conversations with interesting LGBTQ professionals. We'll chat with LGBTQ entrepreneurs about their inspiration, strategies, startup journey, successes, and balanced with insights from lessons learned. We'll also talk with leaders in diversity and inclusion and community allies across many sectors. Please subscribe to the podcast and join the online community at outbureau.com. That's O-U-T-B-U-R-O dot com. Hello, this is Dennis Velko with Out Bureau. That is O-U-T-B-U-R-O. Thank you so much for tuning in to Out Voices, the new series where we are chatting with, in a very casual and informative and hopefully a little bit entertaining way, with LGBTQ leaders, entrepreneurs, and professionals in all types of professions. Today, we have a special guest, uh, named Scott Vetter. Uh, but before we get to him, make sure you take a few moments and hit the subscribe button down below if you are viewing on YouTube. If you are listening to this on one of the podcast apps such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Apps, and about 10 others, also know that you are able to view this directly on the OutBureau podcast or episode pages. I might be changing that now that we're doing more videos and then taking that to podcast. Uh, but know that you're able to watch the videos uh, on directly the outbureau.com website, as well as the new YouTube channel. So now if you search YouTube for LGBT entrepreneur or and or LGBT professional, guess what? Out Bureau Voices pops up on the first pages. So awesome. So we're gonna be bringing the, helping to bring the visibility of LGBT entrepreneurs and professionals around the world to you. So again today, welcome, welcome. Uh, we have Scott, a, uh, Scott Vetter is a, uh, human resources professional with years of experience in the Fortune uh, 500 level space, and he has written a book and adapted it for uh, military veterans, and I much appreciate that being a U.S. Army veteran myself. So welcome so much to the show, Scott. Well, thanks for having me here, Dennis. Uh, it's a real privilege and a pleasure. Awesome. Well, I do appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to uh, chat with us here. And uh, as, as always, uh, there is a little bit of format. I always like to start off with our, our guest, uh, such as yourself, chatting a little bit about your history, um, a little bit of your career journey, and then we'll move that into your, your projects and so forth that's been, uh, that you've been working on most recently. Sure, thanks. You know, I was, uh, like you said, uh, worked in the Fortune 500. I was a Fortune 100 recruiter. And uh, when I was recruiting, what I realized is, most people's resumes are awful. And that wasn't unique to military veterans or civilians. It was just most people didn't know what I was looking for and how I used that information as a recruiter on a resume. So I wrote a book about it chiefly to vent my own frustrations. There, look at that. That's a book. I'm on a book. That's me. 
Um, and, and I said, you know what? I, I think I can help people. And it really took off. You know, it became a bestseller. I went on the book tour and wherever I'd go, I'd meet military veterans. And they'd say, hey, what about us? It's different. And I'd say, well, hey, what do I know? I didn't serve. But my dad and my grandfather both did. Uh, they were both Army E6s. That's a staff sergeant level when they got out. And uh, nobody helped them. There were no transition programs, the Vietnam era or World War II. And there's a lot of great groups we have out there today that are helping in the transition. But we still haven't quite found the magic recipe of how to um, translate and transfer all of the military experience to the civilian world. So that's where I knew I had to help. So I became smarter about uh, the military to civilian career transition, and it has become the really primary focus of my work with resumes, and I've become a passionate civilian advocate for veterans in the workforce. Uh, I actually was able to write a follow-up version of the book just for veterans. That's the veterans edition of Signs of a Great Resume. Awesome. And, uh, I began networking and meeting people in the space. Uh, I actually earned myself a personal invitation to meet in the office of First Lady Michelle Obama uh, at Very the White cool. House. Yeah, yeah, with the program they were doing uh, at the time called Joining Forces. Uh, and then I also met uh, with the Warrior and Family Support Group in the office of the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the Pentagon. Uh, to provide a fair and balanced viewpoint of how I support veterans, I was actually invited last, uh, you know, now two years ago, to the current administration's White House, uh, where I delivered my resume and interview workshops at the White House military office. And for those of you who have not served, that's the people who drive the beast, uh, the president's car, they run Camp David, Air Force One, and uh, carry around a very important suitcase in near proximity to the president uh, all the time. So. Uh, you know, I got to help, uh, you know, give a little insight of to what the next chapter of their career may look like for those who are transitioning. And of course, the caveat is no government um, or DOD uh, sponsorship is implied of any sort. Uh, it's just this is one of the many ways I've found my real passion in life, which is that I help people, especially veterans, find success in their career. Now I do one-on-one -on -one interview and resume coaching with uh, transitioning service members from all branches and civilians too, uh, but I work with a number of really great uh, nonprofit organizations who support the veteran transition program and help fund services that really enable them for success in the civilian workforce. Okay, wonderful. Well, you know, I it there there are it's it, it's not too many, but what I'm saying it there there's a lot of people who do focus to some degree on helping people with their resumes and their you know career coaches and so forth uh there's a plethora of that for you know the general market so you know one way as an entrepreneur no matter what kind of business you happen to run is to focus on a niche market um whatever that happens to be and so let's say you're a dog groomer so then just focusing on, you know, a particular breed, if you happen to have enough of those around, obviously, but just, yeah. you know, trying to draw the analogy here is if you are the best German shepherd dog groomer in the, your state and you get all of the champions, you're going to attract a, a certain level of uh, prestige and, you know, folks coming to you knowing that you are the specialist. And that, again, is really within any kind of a, a business category because you know that really is how you can differentiate yourself uh, in any category is is niche focus and so that's very um, interesting that you, you you have taken that 
from your uh, career and resume advice and focusing on the underserved market of the uh, veterans coming coming out of service and transitioning into the workforce. So yeah, awesome. And I think well, in part, it's formed by my strong belief that veterans are some of the best employees we have in the civilian workforce. They're just some of the worst job candidates because the one thing the military does not make them really good at doing while they're in is becoming a civilian job candidate. And while there are programs, there's something called TAP transition assistance programs that start to teach some philosophical things about the transition, they only really scratch the surface. So that's why it's wonderful to see that there are uh, many veteran service organizations specializing in this uh, and several programs that even the Department of Defense has started to fund to really enable their success. Where I come in is really helping to tell the story of how what you have done in the military or in any prior career relates to what you're going to do in the civilian workforce. And that's what I describe as using what you see behind me, these signs of a great resume. And they probably look like curse words in a comic strip. I promise I'm not teaching veterans to curse on a resume. Uh, what they are is specific moments that make you a particularly great candidate for a job. And this applies to any job seeker, not just veterans. But what I wanna know as a recruiter is what you in particular bring to the future opportunity. So these signs of a great resume, the first one is the exclamation point. Wow, look at what I did. Nobody else could say that at what point you gain the most relevant experience and some numbers, dollars, and percent that help to quantify exactly what makes you a great fit for the job. If you ever need to remember what the signs of a great resume are, you just look down at your keyboard there above the, above the numbers one through five. That's where the signs of a great resume are. These okay. are the key to standing out and differentiating yourself on any resume, civilian, military, or otherwise, a federal resume or any kind you can use the signs of a great resume to write a resume that speaks for itself. Awesome. Very much like that. And, you know, obviously this did come up through your being a recruiter at a Fortune 500, actually Fortune 100, if not Fortune 10 yeah. uh, <laughs> company. Um, and so talk about, you know, some of the, you know, you mentioned this came out of almost, uh, well, you said a frustration. So, you know, I, I too, you know, even in, in looking and uh, trying to, to reach out to people to come on to the show, you know, I'm look, going through and looking even at LinkedIn profiles. And I, I'm saying to myself, holy crap, you really think that this is going to get the attention? You, you know, like there, there, there's no use of this uh, for some people. Uh, they don't use the taglines well, so looking in a summary of people, it's very hard. They don't stand out. And yeah. so that, that tagline in, in your LinkedIn profile should, should you know, people really need to, to understand that LinkedIn should not be used as a literal translation of your resume. If you're using LinkedIn like that, folks, you're using it wrong because it's really a marketing tool, right? It's, so that first tagline should be your, you know, three to 10 word, bam, this is what's important. This is why I stand out. This yeah. is why you should click right here on me. Boop, 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 like your exclamation point, right? 
It yes. should be that that tag should be the wow factor. And there's so many people that I'm going through and I'm like, okay, I kind of get, and I'm, you know, trying to show obviously diversity and inclusion with my guests. Yep. And, you know, but it's like, oh my gosh, I'm digging and digging and digging. So I could imagine as a recruiter going through even just thinking on LinkedIn and going, well, how does this person stand out? Right? How does this, how does this person translate or communicate what they're doing so and then i will be honest i'm going through all right if you've got my little bit of attention um based on that little bit of info and in that little block right there now i click through and it's amazing how many people do not have a summary Right. Yeah, and, and the same holds true on a resume. So, you know, I'll agree that that the point is to catch someone's eye quickly. And that's definitely a parallel between LinkedIn and the resume. The way you catch someone's eye quickly on LinkedIn is with that header. Uh, and it should be compelling. And a lot of people don't tell you anything interesting or new up there. It's just like project manager. Uh, OK, well, you and everybody else. Uh, exactly. Let me tell you a quick secret about the civilian workforce and maybe jobs in general. When it comes to job titles, we just make things up. And when we don't know what to call it, we call it project manager. Everyone and their brother, including me twice, has held the title of project manager. And I absolutely am not like a PMP or anything like that, uh, where that is my professional craft. But nonetheless, the more descriptive you can be in that LinkedIn headline to really catch someone's eye and say, hey, there's something unique here uh, to keep them reading is the same principle on your resume. So on a resume, one of the very first things that I encourage you to do is write like a summary of qualifications. And I call it that and not an executive summary or a professional profile because I want it to summarize what you can do for me. What are you qualified to do? I look at it like the movie trailer of your resume. So if you were writing a film preview, right? Like in a world where this is my experience. You know, what, what you would say to entice me to see the film is what you would put in a summary of qualifications on a resume. And that block of text on the resume is something you can tailor, like you'll tailor the rest of your resume to each job opportunity. Your LinkedIn profile, you only get one LinkedIn profile, so it should be the overall trailer about, you know, what is it that you bring in a nutshell to any opportunity uh, that you're pursuing. But yeah, I, I agree with you that there's a, a lot of parallels and uh, really the distinction between LinkedIn and uh, resumes is the way that you use LinkedIn to contribute to the conversation, uh, to things going on in the industry, whatever industry you're in, and also to make connections. Uh, because really, the best way to apply for a job is not to. Ideally, you wanna be networking far in advance of your needing a job, so you're starting to build relationships relationships first, then results and jobs follow. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And, you know, you bring up a point of the, uh, the pound symbol, the dollar symbol, and the percent. You know, one of the most uh, viewed articles on outbureau.com is, should I be out on my resume? And, and we'll talk about that in one moment, because um, I definitely want to get to that with you. Um, one of the others, I have a few res, uh, a few articles uh, on it. Um, and uh, by the way, if you're listening, you are uh, um, all of you <laughs> may post articles on the website just like you post articles on LinkedIn. 
uh, as well as Out Bureau has a professional profile as well, um, so that uh, uh, diversity and inclusion directors and recruiters can find you um, and be very targeted in their diversity and inclusion um, uh, uh, searching. Uh, in addition, you're able to indicate your military status, uh, veterans, a veteran, which branch, and so forth. Um, but but some of the the things that I really kind of occasionally I get people that that think I'm a recruiter or think that I'm uh, a career coach or something, and they'll reach out to me and say, oh, could you review my resume or could you review my LinkedIn profile? Oh yes, like I have nothing else to do, you know? <laughs> you know uh, one, number one, you're not paying me to do this because I don't even know what to charge for that. But you know, every now and then if I, you know, have a 15 minute kind of a time slot, I'll sometimes do that. And then I look through and I go, okay, where's, again, where's that wow factor? Where are the numbers? Where, where you know, you say you project manage. Well, what did you achieve? What did you say? What did you improve and quantify that, right? People, Absolutely. Recruiters and companies want to see, you know, people would say, oh, I, I managed this, I managed projects efficiently. Yeah. Well, what the heck does that mean, <laughs> right? I manage projects efficiently. What, 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 what uh, quantify efficient for me. Yeah. One, what was the size of the project? Was it a $5,000 project, a $50,000 project, a $500,000 project? How many people were on the team? What were you trying to accomplish? I mean, just, just give some, some pure examples, give some real examples yeah. and give some quantifiable numbers. Um, met project deliverables in 20% uh, under time with only utilizing 80% of the budget. Some, something that, that gives the, the recruiters the knowledge that, oh, yes, they are an efficient project manager. You know, the word- Have you read my book, Dennis. That's really uh, <laughs> well done. Thank you. No, I've got articles myself as well. Yeah. And that's why whenever I saw what you're doing, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is so pertinent. And it's things that I've talked about in the past. And again, I occasionally get asked in building my, my own network of people now when I have someone, especially with military experience, I can say, hey, you should talk to this fellow right here. There you go. Um, you know, I, I think you make an important point. And, um, you know, but, but the fact that we agree on these points of quantifying your experience is critical. And while you can ask 100 recruiters our opinions about resumes, you will get 150 opinions or more about resumes. <laughs> what you will never hear a recruiter say is, uh, the candidate made it too easy to see why he's a great fit for this job. Right? That's not going to happen. And when you use the signs of a great resume, you're making your recruiter's job easier. Effectively, as a recruiter, my function is to become your sales agent. I need to pitch you to the boss and say, hey, you know, that person you need me to hire for you, I think Dennis has what you're looking for. Look at how we quantified this experience and gave specific results. The biggest mistake you can make on a resume is you write a resume that reads like a job description. So think about like a so teacher true. who just, yeah, right? If a teacher writes, taught English classes, graded papers, tracked grades, prepares students for the next level. Well, great, that's what teachers do. But that's the job description of every English teacher. And so if I'm hiring teachers and every one of them just says that, 
how do I know who to hire? I don't. And that is the reality that recruiters face is there's tons of resumes in our system or on our desk. It all look and sound pretty much the same because people make that same mistake. A resume that reads like a job description is the deadliest mistake you can make on a resume. And it's especially difficult if that job description is about a military job because some 97% of Americans have never served. So we just don't understand as directly what that job description means and how it helps us. The very simple way to assess your current resume to see, am I making that mistake? Is you take your resume and you cover your name at the top. Then you reread what you have written. If it could be anybody else's resume, it's not good enough. Because I don't wanna know what a project manager does or what an infantry soldier does or what a Navy captain does. What I wanna know is, what did you do? And how does that relate to what I need you to do in this job? Absolutely. And so what are, you know, during your, your, your time of doing this, uh, are there maybe a few examples that you could give with clients that you've had in the past that, uh, you know, either some tips or, or just examples of how you, like how you took military lingo and translated that into job candidate language? Sure, yeah, uh, I get this question all the time from veterans and frankly from civilians in very technical careers who are changing the kind of work they're gonna do. So this advice applies in both uh, instances, uh, but when it comes to explaining a prior career that does not directly align, especially when that's a military career that's changing your job function, what I want you to do, and you can do this with me live, if you're watching at home or listening, just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to picture somewhere in your life an 11-year-old child whose parents are not in the military. Can you picture that kid? That kid knows about as much about the Army as most civilian adults. You cannot trust civilians to know what the heck you're talking about unless a fifth grader would understand you. So you got to pass what I call the smart fifth grader test with every word you write on your resume. And there are just three simple questions on the smart fifth grader test. The first one is, are you using simple language? Language so clear, an 11-year-old would get it. And the simple answer to that, in most military resumes I get it, is no, because there's a certain language to the military. And that, of course, includes lots of capitalization and jargon and acronyms that just do not mean things to civilians. Um, as a general rule, if you're hitting the caps lock, you're losing the civilian's understanding of what it is you're talking about. Right. Um, you know, some exceptions apply. You know, if you're using a term the average news-watching American would know, FBI, USA, those are fine. And don't bother trying to explain to most civilians that SEAL is actually an acronym for Sea, Air, and Land. Just stick with SEAL. Uh, but otherwise, avoid the acronyms and even words that you might use every day in a military career that mean different stuff to us. So for instance, if you say deploy and you mean get sent somewhere, I might think you mean how parachutes work, they deploy. If you say joint and you mean interagency, I might think you mean arthritis or marijuana. <laughs> so just keep it very simple. And the good news is, if an 11-year-old would understand it, so would another veteran. They'll just know, oh, are you actually talking about a joint team when you were da da da, -da? They'll know all of that, but write it to the lowest common denominator of understanding, which is about the 11-year-old level. 
that's the first question. The second question for the smart fifth grader is are you focused on good news only? Now, I recognize the business of fighting war is not always good news, I get it. But I don't need to hear about knocking down doors and finding bad guys or anything like it. What I wanna know is how'd you make the world a better place? And this goes back to what Dennis was saying a minute ago where you mentioned how like the specific accomplishments that a project manager might have had, how you made the world a better place is a better way to approach the types of examples with the signs of a great resume that make you a great fit. I want to know what you did specifically. That's good news for your past employer, in this case, the military, and for your future employer, how it relates. And the third and final question for the smart fifth grader is are you getting to the point quickly? Because both an 11 year old and a recruiter have a super short attention span. <laughs> yeah, I'm told there's a military term that actually works nicely here. It's bluff, bottom line up front. And it's the way military leaders say, you know, when you make your PowerPoint or something, make sure you make the point right away. So if general so-and-so loses focus or has to go, you've already gotten your point across. Well, the way I think about bluff as a civilian is can you tell me a fairy tale backwards for every bullet that you write? They all lived happily ever after. Good news, because once upon a time, eh, use some details if you need it. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And you know, that's really good advice for everyone out there looking at their resume and LinkedIn profile, because again, you know, yes, there's aspects of your career and bullet points on your professional profile on LinkedIn and OutHero that you want to include, but that bluff at that bluff analogy is is really good and that's keeping it short simple to the point and think of it as a as a marketing statement every statement on your resume you need to think of it with that marketing eye how yes. is this going to wow the person viewing this how is it going to make you stand out a lot of veterans say to me scott i don't like talking about myself and you know, I think maybe that comes from service in, in the military is a selfless service. You know, you're serving that greater mission. Um, you're called to serve for whatever reason that is. And to them I say, and to everyone, I don't want you to talk about yourself. The first filter I need you to put on your resume is that while yes, your name is at the top, this resume is not about you. It's about what you can do for me. Everything you write has to be filtered with that in mind first. And it means that there may be things in your career that were significant. You're proud of them. They made a real difference in the world. Well, great. I'm glad you did them. But if they don't relate to what you can do for me, you might not need to tell me about them. And that becomes a powerful first filter to use. And the very simple way you use that filter on a resume is you read a statement or a line or a bullet you've got, and you ask yourself, so what? What is this new company going to do with this information? And if you can't answer the so what, and you know you pretty darn well, you've lived with you your whole life, how am I supposed to answer the so what if I'm the new company? Gotcha, gotcha. So making sure that, that everything on your resume is tailored toward that position, and especially the position and the company, the employer, because uh, it may not be a company, it, right. you know, so it may be government, it may be a nonprofit, and so forth. So I use that, I'll, I'll try to stick with employer so you need to think about what that what your skill set and the wow factor that you can bring and tout how that translates for that employer and that particular 
role that you're going after. Yeah, it, that goes back to the idea of tailoring your resume. Um, and tailoring your resume, you need to know if it's about what you can do for me, you need to know what's important to me. And the simple way to know that is, I tell you, <laughs> there are job postings. So you just, when you're applying to a job, you've seen a job uh, online on LinkedIn or Indeed, CareerBuilder, any of those sites, or usajobs.gov if you're applying to work in the federal government still. Uh, and the employer is giving you a literal wish list. This is what we need. And there are three parts to a job posting usually. There's a description, so you know, do I wanna do this all the time? And some minimum and preferred qualifications or basic and desired qualifications. Well, uh, the description is a good place for you to assess what's important. They may give you clues like about their culture, about their diversity and inclusion practices, and uh, about their priorities for their business in the year ahead. And the minimum and preferred qualifications are the filters for what kinds of information you need to market to them, if you will, uh, about your prior experience. I look at the qualifications list kind of like buying a car. The minimum qualified candidates are like Toyotas. They're fine, they're just not special. Seems like anybody could get a Toyota and it's fine. It's a good car, very reliable. I think the number one selling car in America is a Toyota. But the preferred qualified candidates, the ones who are darn near perfect, are like a Rolls Royce. Woo, if I could have the perfect candidate, that'd be great. Well, you don't have to be a Rolls Royce to get an interview or to land the job. You just gotta come in somewhere around Lexus to be a compelling candidate. The more your Lexus sounds like my Rolls Royce wish list, the better shape you're in. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about some of the other aspects of applying for a job. I brought up the, you know, should you be out on your resume? That is the second most viewed article on my website outside of venture funding for entrepreneurs. And so there's obviously a lot, and I've, I'm pretty clear in my article about my position and I've talked with several other people, but being in, you know, in your role, in your professional role at the company plus writing your book. Have you ever come across uh, uh, clients of yours or candidates or so forth and uh, you know that had a really out resume or or not and kind of found out of the fact just kind of give us a little bit of perspective since the majority of our audience you know is focused uh, on the LGBT community. Sure so your resume should always be about what you can do for me and why you are qualified to do the job that you're applying for. If a component of that is identifying as a part of or a contributor to the success of the LGBTQ community, then yes, it is a relevant concept to, to cover in your resume. However, I'm gonna speak out of both sides of my mouth. <laughs> you can give examples about how you have supported the LGBTQ community, and not all of those need to be about work. Your resume is not things I got a paycheck for, it's things that make my experience valid. So if, for instance, you were going to work at an employer in their diversity and inclusion department, and you do an extensive amount of volunteering at the LGBTQ center in your community, maybe doing testing or counseling or some kind of you know, groups that you help uh, you know, put together, that is perhaps a relevant example for a diversity and inclusion job because you're saying, look, I've reached out to this community. Now, how overtly you state, oh, and I'm a member of that community, well, that then comes down to how much information is appropriate to disclose on a resume. And 
a few weeks ago, my, my message may have been somewhat different, but very recently, as many I'm sure are tuned to, the Supreme Court has ruled that discrimination on the basis of sex is something covered under Title VII, the Civil Rights Act. Uh, now, I'll caveat all of this by saying, I'm not a lawyer. If you have questions about the law, go see a lawyer. However, for informational purposes only, uh, Title VII uh, is very broadly what we just call uh, the idea that you cannot discriminate in employment practices on the basis of certain protected classes. And those include things like race, religion, sex, and that word sex has now been interpreted by the Supreme Court ruling to include sexual orientation and gender identity. The reason I'm mentioning this is because, as a general rule, recruiters do not want to know about your status in a protected class if it is not relevant or at all, because we don't want you to think we're considering something prohibited in our analysis of your employment. So just like you wouldn't say, my religion is X, you would not say overtly, my sexual orientation is X, because some recruiters will go, la, 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 I don't want to hear it because I don't want you to think that's part of my analysis. Okay. Are there times where it's appropriate to disclose that? Sure, especially for instance, if you're being asked about after the hire and the job offer is made, if you're being asked about a uniform to wear and part of your transition to uh, the, a different gender includes changing how you will present at work. That is an appropriate time to discuss your uh, gender identity uh, and how you will present in that job but it's way after the resume, way after the interview. It's at the time of a job offer when that is now a topic that's important to cover because you should be your own authentic self at work. You should be comfortable. Now I'll predicate all of that by saying, do your research well in advance to make sure you're only applying at organizations where not only will they obey the law, which it is now the law of the land, not to discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity, but where they embrace the LGBTQ community and actively demonstrate a participation in it and support of it. There's one thing to say, yeah, we're an equal opportunity employer on the website. It's another thing to talk to people in that organization and to do some research about what that organization is actually doing, which is part of what I like about what you're doing at OutBureau is to provide more details and supporting evidence, if you will, of a company's LGBTQ inclusion practices and actual footprint. Uh, absolutely. So I, I really like how you um, conveyed that there. Um, you know, and, and, you know, just because an employer also, you know, is, is on the HRC Corporate Equality Index, there's still discrimination, there's still discrimination lawsuits and litigation cases or, or arbitration cases that go on. So, you know, Unfortunately, we really can't just take that as an example, which only covers the Fortune 1000. So if you're going for a government job or working at a mid-sized company or working at a, a university, that's even, after, even though they've been doing that for over 16 years, they've never branched beyond the Fortune 1000. So that's where two, and you know, the uh, Out Bureau's group was just featured on LinkedIn, a nice shout out for the LGBT community. Thank you, LinkedIn, for that. Uh, much appreciate it. But then even in the group, um, you know, it has limitations uh, on LinkedIn. It, it's you can't search unless you pay LinkedIn for a recruiter level or sales navigator level membership. You can't even within the group search other members who say, 
work at a particular employer. So, you know, oh, I want to work at X company uh, or X uh, employer. And so I'm a member of the group and I want to um, go search for other members of the Out Bureau group to go talk with those employers. LinkedIn does not have that feature. So it becomes very difficult. Uh, and I'll, I'll say for hours a day um, in first starting um, the outbureau.com site, that's O-U-T-B-U-R-O.com. Um, even searching companies that I knew were, were very out, very inclusive and so forth and had, didn't have a, you know, any legal issues going on to my knowledge uh, at least a year prior, even Googling them, trying to search for LGBT related content was difficult because the vast majority of employers, even though they might have a very active employee resource group for the LGBT employees, even though they might participate in Pride in New York, Atlanta, Orlando, Miami, LA, etc., even though they might you know, sponsor LGBT-owned businesses, even though they might sponsor LGBT nonprofits, it's very difficult to find that information. So I hear you in that it's, it's like, oh, do your research and try to understand that they're a really um, you know, inclusive and embraceive employer, but it is darn difficult to do that. Yeah, and I think... And well, so that is, that is where, that, that was the impetus for OutBureau.com, is seeing those gaps and those difficulties. Uh, so number one, this is uh, my little call to action for, for everyone out there, is to join OutBureau.com uh, so that you can search for other members very easily. I, OutBureau does not have the limitations that LinkedIn has forced on you because they're they're trying to force you to pay the hundred dollars a month or more for the recruiter or the sales navigator um, uh, role, even though you're just an employee, you're you're just looking for other people in an organization. Okay, sure. so the more of you that join outbureau.com, place your professional profile, you will be there um, for others who are seeking you. Um, additionally, uh, you are able to provide a rating review anonymously uh, on your current and recent past employers. So I think that's very important because even providing that, you know, my employer is fantastic. There's one review and I'll give a shout out. It's to in Intel. Uh, there's one review on the website right now by a, a transgender person. Uh, she clearly indicates that in the review and just gloats how, what a wonderful employer that is. And then there's others that don't shine that, that great. Now, over time that, you know, let's be you know, honest, every organization is made of employees. So even a very large organization of say 100,000 employees, as I like to think of the, uh, the now yes, we have the laws, uh, and I'll get to that in a moment. But you know, policies and so forth are really the intent of the company, the intent of the employer, because they don't control every employee 24 seven, uh, 24 /7 of, of the day and the week and the year, right? And if we even just take sexual harassment, which I've used this example many a time, uh, but even race, you know, uh, just be, but taking sexual harassment, 
has been illegal, just like now it's illegal to discriminate against LGBT people based on sexual orientation and gender identity. Uh, if we just take sexual harassment as case in point, well, that's been illegal for, for 40 years. But sexual harassment still happens. And in employers of, say, 50 employees or larger, every before you can come to work, you have to sign off that you know it's, it's a bad to do sexual harassment. You have annual training on sexual harassment to ensure it's CYA, um, and, but it still happens. And so, yes, this is fantastic that the Supreme Court has made this you know, illegal to discriminate based on sexual orientation and gender identity, but don't think for a second that it just automatically, automagically makes every employer a you know, rainbow flag waving, unicorn loving uh, place, right? But, yeah, you know, and you, yeah, and you even look at em employers, like, again, this is public knowledge, it's, it's, it's out there, so I'm not trying to beat them up, but it's just reality. Look at Goldman Sachs. So Goldman Sachs has been on the HRC Corporate Equality Index as a ranked 100% for numerous years, and for several years in, the row, in a row, including 2020, was named one of the top employers in the financial sector based on HRC's Corporate Equality Index. However, they just finished uh, a, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, go, going through a, a lawsuit uh, and settled for um, a discrimination suit. And so again, I'm not trying to beat them up here, but it's just reality in that, you know, you, you can't just look at the, that any equality index around the globe, because they're all modeled after HRC. So you just can't look at that and say, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, because they're on that list, they're automatically going to be a fantastic 100% amazing place to work. And I can just walk in with, and just, you know, yeah, you want the space to be um, authentic where you can be your authentic self. And, and again, I'm not beating them up. It's because for me, it's really, it's again, it's the intent of the company and they don't control all their employees. In that particular instance uh, with Goldman Sachs, it's that the employee went to HR. HR didn't do anything about it. Then the, according to the news articles, okay, I don't have insider information here, but it's public, public information. But then HR didn't do anything about it when that manager was being homophobic and making homophobic remarks, right? Mm -hmm. So the employee, uh, you know, if your employee, if your boss is harassing you and so forth, you're going to probably not be that enthused to work every day, right? So then they fired him for not uh, losing interest in his job. Well, no kidding. He's being harassed all the time, right? Sure. So, I think it comes down to the, the, the employment experience is a very individual experience. And what you experience on the job may not represent the broader organization, the good, bad, or indifferent. Right. Um, so I think the indicators that are out there, like the equality indexes and, and uh, you know, data you can find, this is one part of the story. This is, is why networking is important. The it, more it you is. meet individuals in the actual organization and talk to them about their experience, more information you'll get. And while LinkedIn does not have a show me gay connections flag on it, uh, what you can do and places like Out Bureau and LinkedIn is look for interesting intersections that are probably the green light for, all right, this is a friendly person. So followers of 
causes that are important to us. Uh, you know, it gets better at the Trevor Project or, you know, whatever, any of these, you know, number of things. Um, you can search post content on LinkedIn for celebrations of Pride Month and hashtags. Um, and people that are posting about that, whether they're LGBTQ or not, may be a good friendly starting place for you to start to learn. And when you're networking with people, it's not schmoozy, salesy, hey, I want a job, can you help me? Really, networking is like asking for directions and you just approach somebody and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in careers at Company X. Um, would you take a couple minutes to tell me what makes someone successful at Company X? If in the course of the conversation you go, oh, you know, I saw your post on Pride Month. Um, can you tell me what it's like, you know, for some of your employees who may identify it as, as LGBTQ? And that's an innocuous question. It's not outing you, it's not outing them. And the conversation may yield additional details like, oh, well, you know, actually, Sally in my office, she identifies as lesbian and, you know, here's what her experience has been. Maybe that's the next introduction you need to ask for. Could you introduce me to Sally? I'd love to pick her brain about her experience working at your company. And now you're getting closer. This is where we go back to relationships are what matter. Uh, and certainly there are going to be instances in any organization of a scalable size where individual actors are going to be, you know, no good and do the wrong thing. Um, right. But by talking to more individual people who have experience there, you can get a broader perspective of what it's like on the day to day and what generally is the culture like. Because that's at, at a high level what we're talking about here is the culture one where it's okay to be who you are where you are welcomed and celebrated as a member of the LGBTQ community. Uh, and if it's not, um, that should weigh into your consideration to work there or not. Yes, absolutely. And, um, and, and that's where folks, again, if you take an opportunity here to rate your employer, what you're doing is you're making it on outhero.com is you're making it so much more easier for those candidates to find that information to get your perspective. So, you know, I, I'm not out here just looking for negative stories. I make it very clear on the website. I want the fantastic stories. If you, you know, like that uh, trans person at, at Intel, if you love your employer, if you, if you have a fantastic experience at your employer, please come, you know, come rate them. Also know that you're able to rate uh, over uh, every six months. So if that experience changes, for example, like that employee at Goldman Sachs was there for eight years. Only when he got a new boss did the experience change. So you're able to, to not update your past ratings, but you're able to provide a new, a new rating. And so our, our goal at Out Bureau is that uh, hopefully, eventually, as you come on board and you uh, add your professional profile to Out Bureau, and uh, you're, you're showing one that you're, you're an out professional. And there, by the way, you're, you're also not only can you provide that rating anonymously so that others can uh, have that insight, you're also, that's providing feedback, you know? It's so often that, you know, employers work very hard to create a culture and maintain that culture and educate all of their employees and, and you know, go after them uh, when they need to. And that's providing a very public accolade, you know, a pat on the back, you know, thank you for creating this. And I want everyone to know what a fantastic job as an employer you're doing. Um, but it's then also that opportunity for insights into how to become better. Uh, because unfortunately, sometimes the HR departments aren't listening 
uh, when you bring it up internally, uh, but maybe they will when it's put out in an, in an anonymous public fashion. Um, also, just to be clear as well, uh, via your professional profile on Out Bureau, you're able to put, put forth articles. So, you know, if you happen to work in uh, project management, as we were just saying earlier, not only could you have, uh, you know, take all the tips here and the, the uh, cute symbols and signs uh, that Scott has presented here, but also, uh, you know, write an article about project management or um, a project without, you know, within the confines of what you're legally able to do, et cetera. But, you know, write a great article about project management. And so that when the recruiters are looking at you, they're also seeing your, your, your content to the industry and um, your ability to communicate, which you know, is, is sometimes lacking. <laughs> um, so uh, also I'd like to point out too, on your profile, you're able to indicate whether you would like to be a mentor to others. I think here in our community, you know, it, it, it's one of the reasons we're doing these kind of um, video sessions and, and audio sessions is to be mentorship, to show all the variety of different kinds of jobs and professionals out there, to be a voice and visibility and kind of an adjunct mentor to others. So indicate whether you'd like to be a mentor and if you're an entrepreneur, whether you're looking for funding or whether you're an investor. Uh, so I, I guess in, uh, we're getting kind of close to our time here. So is there any key points that perhaps we haven't discussed that you would like to, to raise? Well, I think overall, the, the, the biggest idea I can give to you is just be yourself, be your authentic self. And if you can pass the red face test with what you're putting on the resume, because it's truthful, and you can put your authentic self forward in an interview and on the job every day, you're just going to be a stronger employee. Um, you know, and I'll recall uh, a, a story that I uh, experienced myself. Um, you know, when I first visited the White House, uh, the person I was meeting with uh, were walking through the halls of the White House. Now, this is like a career highlight moment for Scott. Like, most people don't even go to Washington, D.C., never mind see the White House, never mind go in it. And so I'm in these hollowed halls where there's all this history at this big moment. And he looks down at the ring that I'm wearing and he goes, is your wife here? And I have this moment, I go, oh boy, what do I do? And, you know, it was this moment that I think all of us as LGBTQ professionals may experience. We may experience it every single day. And I'm just who I am. I'm not going to change that for anybody. And I can't change who I am, nor do I want to. I said, no, my husband's here. And uh, he's so excited, you know, that uh, I have this opportunity to be uh, in this moment with you. And he says, that's great. And he went on to say that that night I was at the White House, it was actually the White House Christmas tree lighting ceremony. Um, and he said, you know, this is the first year that we were able to invite LGBTQ military service members to bring their families. Because every year they invite service members to the tree lighting. But it was just after Don't Ask, Don't Tell had been repealed. And it was this neat moment for me because as many times in my own career, in my own life, I have to go, Okay, I'm gonna say the word husband, now what? Um, imagine what that must have been like for those people proudly serving their country who couldn't talk about their loved ones at home, who had to hide who they were for so many decades. And now the difference that it's made to be out and proud and true to who you are uh, as a service member and as someone who's LGBTQ. Uh, 
So, you know, I think that it brought some perspective to me that while my experience is unique, uh, it certainly was more difficult for many others. And by being out and proud and vocal and visible, I think we can give hope to those who don't have such an opportunity for whatever situation they're in, their family situation, their work situation, their religious situation, any of those things may be impacting someone's ability to be out and they may not feel like there's a community to welcome them. They may not know who to turn to for insight or guidance or just uh, an ear to talk to that's opening or that's welcoming. Uh, and if you can be that to somebody, great. And if you need that from somebody, seek them out. Uh, you, you're not in this alone. Uh, we're all in this together. And uh, you know we need to help lift each other up. Uh, and that's how we just make a stronger country. That's how we make a stronger workforce. Uh, and that's certainly how we make a strong LGBTQ community too. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And again, as a U.S. military veteran, I appreciate that you are focusing on, uh, on it, as well as, of course, the general uh, candidate uh, search. But that's definitely what caught my eye whenever I saw your profile um, as to why I reached out to you. So I much appreciate your time today, Scott. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, I'll be having the show notes and uh, the, the podcast here very soon. So as a reminder for everyone, um, you are able to go to outbureau.com. Currently it says uh, podcast. It may be changed to episodes uh, here very shortly or outbureau voices. We'll see just up at the top. Um, also, you are again able to listen to this if it's on the go. Perhaps you're listening or wanting to listen uh, on your way to and from work, at the gym, on your walks, etc. Uh, however and wherever is most convenient for you. But do take a few moments if you are on uh, YouTube to go ahead and hit that subscribe button again and then the bell. That'll make sure that you uh, hitting the bell will ensure that you are notified whenever new episodes do come up. If you are listening on one of the podcast uh, channels, please make sure that you click the follow or subscribe button again to make sure that it gets into your feeds. If you would like to be on the show, please go to outbureau.com and hit that podcast or again episodes page. And then you're going to see in the third uh, line down, be a guest. Take a look at the uh, structure and fill out the form to schedule a, uh, a brief introduction so that we can get to know each other and see if it's a good fit here. Uh, this is Dennis Velko with Out Bureau. I thank you all for tuning in. Uh, this has been an incredible opportunity to hear some great tips from a professional who has been doing this for quite some time. I do appreciate it, Scott. Thanks so much for uh, having me, Dennis, and I really appreciate what you're doing for our community and for people out there who just need to hear uh, that you belong and uh, we're here for each other. So I, I hope you'll take some time to connect. I, I'm an open networker on LinkedIn, so you can connect with me there. You can learn more at scottbetter.com. And of course, you can pick up Signs of a Great Resume and Signs of a Great Resume Veterans Edition wherever books are sold, but mostly on Amazon. <laughs> awesome. Well, be sure to have links and so forth in the episode page on the outbureau.com site. Thank you so much, everybody. Again, this is Dennis Felko with Out Bureau. Bye-bye.